I think it's fair to say that people all across the globe love coffee. The British Coffee Association found that in 2021, British consumers drank up to 98 million cups of coffee a day. In the same year in Europe, over 35 billion cups were drank. And globally, this works out to be over 9 billion kilos of coffee a year that we consume, which is a lot. And as I say, we love coffee. But such demand for our daily cup of joe has brought with it some undesired consequences, with coffee growing, trading and production often having negative impacts on both our physical and social environments. Increased water scarcity, deforestation and poverty, to name but a few. So the industry is in need of sustainable change, but is that actually happening? Hi everyone, I'm Matt Eastland and welcome to the Food Fight podcast. And in this episode, we're diving into coffee industry issues and hearing more about all the sustainable solutions breathing new life into this booming industry. And for this conversation, I'm joined by two innovators obsessed with coffee and passionate about sustainability. First of all, I'd like to welcome Head of Coffee from Kiss the Hippo, Kane Staten. Kiss the Hippo is one of London's most innovative and sustainable coffee companies, being the first in the city to produce carbon-negative coffee. They opened in 2018 and since then have been a hub for sustainable innovation, focused on protecting the planet and its people. In many ways, they're helping revolutionise the coffee industry, and I can't wait to hear more about the work they're doing. Kane, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Hey, pleasure to be here. I'm also joined by co-founder and CEO of Café Bueno, Juan Medina. Café Bueno is a B Corp company utilising coffee byproducts, converting spent coffee grounds into ingredients for personal care products, functional foods and beverages. Café Bueno's mission is to better utilise coffee waste and to fully exploit its health properties in an environmentally friendly way. Really excited to have you on the show, Juan. Pleasure to be here, man. Thanks for the invitation. So coffee and sustainability, can we just take a moment then just to be clear on what we're actually talking about, because I guess the word sustainability gets bandied around a lot. So what does the word sustainable mean to the coffee industry and to you specifically? Kane, maybe we can start with you. I think on the producer side, the farming side, that means farming in ways which are long-term effective, both economically for the farmer and then obviously for the planet, for the soil, for the farms. So that's what kind of sort of first springs to mind. In specialty coffee, I think there's been a huge focus on quality, number one, mm-hmm. um, so improving the actual taste of coffee. Secondary to that, there was obviously a huge push towards sustainable buying practices, so paying farmers more for that quality. So them producing higher quality coffee, us paying them more money, and then they can mm-hmm. you know, not be in poverty like a lot of coffee farmers are. I think then, thirdly, now there's been more of a focus on the agronomy side of things, so making sure the soil is healthy, making sure that they're looking after the environment, not using too much water, etc. So I think that's a newer side that's been brought in in the last couple of years. Great. Thanks very much, Kane. And, and Juan, are you, do you sort of see this the same way from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, there are two, we want to put it in a very simplistic term. It's, of course, about responsible, let's say, production and responsible consumption. And I think like, Mm -hmm. uh, as you mentioned, as we like a lot coffee, coffee has been one of those crops that has been industrialized in a way in some countries, of course, there are different practices here and there, but always this push of society in general to get 
the cheapest option always mm. has pushed farmers for to let's say for conditions that might not be the best ones for the environment and for society at the end of the day and that in my opinion has what has cascaded a lot of different consequences as uh, Kane mentioned I think uh, responsible consumption has been put by let's say this third wave of coffee and specialty coffee that focus more on the quality and the willingness to pay for that quality and appreciation for the actual work that is done at the farms I think that of course has helped and has let's say try to uh, balance or change the balance into a more responsible consumption and a better coffee value chain and then of course comes the waste component that is where we work uh, that I think uh, I mean coffee has been so good as a beverage that we have totally forgotten that has so much more things left there and that's kind of what we focus on trying to make more worth that work that farmers do brilliant thanks Juan and I definitely want to get into the whole the whole idea around sort of coffee waste and how we repurpose it but before we get into solutions I really think it'd be great to hear about all the amazing work you're both doing because you know having done some research on you both obviously there is a lot of what you know amazing things that you're doing so Juan maybe we can continue on with you so I understand that you and your co-founders are all from Colombia and that coffee is very close to your hearts so how did the idea of for Cafe Bueno how did that start where did you all begin yeah as you mentioned we are originally from Colombia the three co-founders actually when uh, how it started all Cafe Bueno it started in London we work and study there for almost four years. And in 2016, that was our last year there, coffee farmers in Colombia were going at the moment into a price crisis because they were getting paid less than the actual market price. So they were losing money basically. So it was a hot topic, let's say in Colombia at the moment, um, you know, coffee is a commodity and it goes back and forth. We're in a better place to say, but at the moment that was the problematic at the time. So we were seeing all this waste basically that was uh, being created in London. I was in a job interview and then the CEO of this company started talking about the circular economy. And we have been talking about upcycling coffee. Initially, we wanted to do like a coffee shop where people bring back their grounds or we give them back things in return. Yeah, I mean, a lot of things came to each other and we started developing this concept of a biorefinery going back in Colombia coffee you use it for more than just a beverage you use it in food in bakery in confectionery or for example your your grandma also puts it in your wounds if you fall into the ground so I mean there are different uses that you have seen growing up so yeah that curiosity helped us spark and start researching more if all these good things were still in the coffee grounds after it was consumed and yeah, I mean, we develop a business plan. We apply to a startup visa program that Denmark has. They really like it. And we were younger at the moment in time. So uh, <laughs> we, we said, well, I mean, if these people think that there's uh, something good here, maybe we should jump into it. And yeah, the rest is history. Now here we are basically. Amazing. <laughs> Love it. And uh, on your website, you talk about unlocking coffee's health potential so what health potentials are you unlocking exactly and what sort of products uh, are you working with to do that 
Yeah, I mean, it was also this thing like uh, in our friend circle, the people that we initially we discussed even before Cafe Bueno, for me and for my partner, it was quite annoying that many people relate that coffee was bad for your health somehow. Some people have that connotation and they related to some toxic uh, stuff, which didn't make any sense uh, mm -hmm. because, I mean, there's more than hundreds of studies that associate coffee consumption with different health benefits. Of course, like everything, there's a limit and there's a, let's say, like they say, there, there's everything is poisonous at a certain dose. And that's right, so, everything in moderation, right? Exactly. So, but uh, I mean, there's a, what we're trying to focus basically is kind of to reverse engineer coffee from that sense. So we're trying, what we have been doing is looking into the different health benefits that has been associated to the beverage. And we have been trying to break down the coffee into different molecular compounds. And then in the lab, we run different cell lines in vitro studies to try to find the heats that are related to these particular parts. And that's partly of uh, what we do and how we do it. But around obesity, cardiovascular diseases, I mean, uh, for neurodegenerative, I mean, coffee is amazing, really. Well, we'll probably have a, need to have another podcast about the health benefits of coffee then just, yeah. you know, cause it, again, reading about it. And Kane and I were just talking before the, we recorded about the, you know, the polyphenols. And I know that's yeah. just one tiny, tiny element of all the great things that coffee has in it. So thank you very much, Juan. Kane, I know that having a, a positive, sustainable impact on the coffee industry is really what Kiss the Hippo holds really close to its heart. And online you say you're serious about coffee, even more serious about nature, which is fab. Um, so <laughs> what inspired the idea for Kiss the Hippo? And also you have to tell our listeners about the origin of the name just, just to get that in there. <laughs> uh, well, so, uh, as the name suggests, yeah, there is a, a focus on nature as well as coffee. And yeah, we started in 2018 in Richmond in, in London, and we now have four cafes across London. And yeah, obviously the, the main focus is, is quality of coffee, as you just touched on. But alongside that, we're an organic certified roastery and we try to buy either certified or organically farmed coffees mostly. We can get into sort of why, but that's mainly to do with the benefits on, on soil and, and on carbon sequestration and, and that sort of thing. And the name actually came from the owner. It's just its favorite animal. <laughs> it's sort of a fun name. Um, I always tell people, like, when you look at coffee roasteries around London, around the world, they always have these quite, like, masculine, aggressive names, whether it's, like, roast house or workshop or, or, or whatever the name is. It's quite an aggressive, manly-sounding industrial name. And, and Kiss Hippo is quite fun, you know. It's it's, it's, it's a nicer name. And, yeah, it's, it was the founder's uh, favourite animal, so it sort of made sense. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, it definitely stands out as a brand name, yeah, that's for, for sure. sure. I mean, I think you started to touch on this, but it, I know that you're the the first carbon negative coffee company in London. And yeah. you know, first of all, congratulations. And secondly, what does that actually mean? So you're not carbon neutral, you're carbon negative. You know, how are you achieving that? And what does it mean? Yeah, so you, you may also hear the term climate positive. They're both yeah. basically the same term. So it just means we are basically there's 50% more carbon that we're offsetting than we're producing as a company. Right. And that's that's what that term means. And we do that with a company called Honor Mission, and they are a reforestation project. And we plant most of our trees in Nepal. 
And yeah, you, you, you've probably seen actually in the press, some of these companies are a little bit maybe not doing what they should be doing. They're planting trees in certain parts of China where they can't grow, but also we're making sure we're working with a sustainable and legitimate uh, reforestation company. And yeah, and basically most of the emissions as a coffee roastery come from the transportation. So mm -hmm. that's shipping coffee from Colombia to London. That's where most of the emissions are produced. So we are offsetting that plus 50%. Got it. That's clear. Thank you. And I know that you're doing loads of other stuff, but um, you have to tell me a bit about your Loring Smart Super Eco Roaster <laughs> uh, that you have. Yeah, so that's a coffee roaster. Um, they make them in San Francisco, actually, in, in, in the US. It's like a recirculation roaster, so part of the air that's used. It's, it, it basically, most roasteries, roasters, sorry, they're like big cast iron drums, and they're mm -hmm. powered by gas, and there's a big flame at the bottom, and then that drum will spin. Ours is a little bit different. It's more like an oven, I guess. It's more convection-based rather than conduction-based. And it has like a, a patented recirculation technology where it uses less energy. So it can be up to 80% less energy than a more traditional wow. um, roaster. It's a little bit cleaner as well. It produces less smoke, less carbon going into the air. And yeah, you kind of see, you can kind of use these roasters in more residential areas rather than just in big warehouses because they are a little bit cleaner a bit less smelly a bit less right. noisy um makes me wonder yeah. why you know not all coffee roasting companies use these types of types of roasters but um maybe it's a cost thing i'm not sure i think that's probably yeah correct to assume <laughs> <laughs> okay fair enough got it so i guess we've already started to talk a little bit about solutions so let's go with it um i'd like to ask you both the same question so how can we make coffee more sustainable and, and what needs to happen and I, I maybe you can use some examples from both your sides you know what change needs to happen here to make the industry much more sustainable juan what do you think i mean i think it's a systemic in general change at the end of the day everyone has to do its part but i think of course it's a value chain effort in general i think there's no one actor that can really of course yeah you can catalyze change but you need of course help of the other parts of the value chain. How we approach it uh, in Cafe Bueno is that, I mean, our mission since day one, again, is valorizing the coffee waste was more to help farmers in Colombia using those new value profits, revenue, whatever value is, and bring it back uh, to coffee farmers in Colombia in the form of education and technology that, that will help them improve their farming practices, efficiencies, and yeah, have better practices. The biggest emission drivers in the coffee value chain is, of course, the farming part, which can be done, of course, uh, much better. And then the, the waste part that is that we work. So um, we try to focus on reducing directly that waste by valorizing it into actual food for human consumption, because coffee is a superfood. And I mean, you can use it for compost or fertilizer or, you know, burn it for energy, which is better than landfills. But still, uh, there's like a pyramid of hierarchy of food waste. Maybe you have seen it that, of course, mm. first you can try to avoid the food waste initially, but if you cannot avoid it, you should put it back into the food value chain. So that's kind of where we focus us. And uh, with these successes, again, we're, we're trying what our projects is to try to help them valorize side streams at origin to produce more better fertilizers, organic fertilizer, or what we're also trying to work is on a 
system to help them reuse the water that is a big part of their emissions. So that's kind of Got it. our approach. I think I read somewhere that 99% of coffee is being wasted from the, this process. Is that right? In general, yes. Uh, I mean, instant coffee, they solubilize maybe 10 to 15%, but it's maximum normal coffee. Yeah, that's what they use. Yeah. So basically what you're looking to do is obviously once people have had their coffee, you're, you're taking the, the spent grains and granules and then you're repurposing into something which I guess makes really great use of what, whatever's left, right? Correct. Ideally, even a better use uh, than what it was before. Difficult to to do, but yeah. Yeah, okay. Ideally better. Good. And Kane, what from your side, you know, how do you think coffee can or should be made more sustainable? I think on a farm level, I think using regenerative techniques is probably the main one. I think we're actually starting to see some coffee farmers becoming certified carbon neutral like we are. And they're doing that through the use of like cover crops and having 60% plus trees on their farm. So one thing you might start seeing is a thing called shade grown coffee. And this basically means, yes, 60% of their land is dedicated to cover crops or trees. And this basically absorbs more carbon, sequesters more carbon, and also means their coffee plants take less carbon to produce the cherry, to produce a kilo of coffee. Um, so right. I think that's that's one aspect. And then also we need to sort of figure out a solution for shipping. <laughs> At the moment, I don't know of too many solutions to basically filling up a container on a, on a ship and shipping it mm. across to the UK. Some people are working on like sailboats that are powered by either solar or wind that are transporting coffee. But at the moment, that's still on quite a small scale. It's not done on a large scale. It's not done by the container load. So we do need to figure out the the transportation. Um, I think that's a major hurdle right now to making coffee more sustainable. Also with specialty coffee, we've seen an increase in fermented coffees, natural coffees, we call them. Um, mm. This basically means when we pick the coffee cherry, we're drying it. So inside that coffee cherry, there's two seeds. Those seeds mm -hmm. are basically the roasted bean that we get at the end that you guys see. With natural coffees, you just ferment the whole cherry. So there's about 90 to 95% less water usage doing this method. So obviously that's a lot more energy efficient as such. So yeah, there's, there's loads of little little things you can do to improve the sustainability of coffee and, and make sure it's produced in a, in a cleaner way. And... Um... On the, the point about fermented coffee, is this something that Kiss the Hippo are already doing or is this something you're looking into? Yeah, we're already doing it. Um, the majority of our offering is uh, natural processed coffees or fermented coffees. Sometimes this is called dry process as well. And you're seeing it really widespread now across lots of roasteries and, and coffee producers. It's becoming more and more common. There also are ways of traditionally coffee is, is washed. So you'll see it's called wash process. There are now methods where they're pulping the cherries, the coffee cherries, before they're washing them. And this can also reduce the water usage quite heavily. So, yeah, farmers, especially in Colombia, actually, that's probably the, the forefront of the, of the movement for fermented coffees. They're always working on ways to reduce water usage and reduce energy usage. Perfect. Thank you very much. And Juan, you know, just coming back to you and just picking back up on the waste thing, I, I guess what I'm really interested in is... Do you think we'll ever be able to have a fully circular coffee production system? Do you think this is always going to be quite niche? Or is this or is this the way that things are moving? I think, of course, increasingly every year, there's more and more awareness of, of the situation. So I think eventually we'll get there when <laughs> that's a very 
that's a very good question because as you mentioned it's nine billion kilograms of steel that are laying around mm. and there's a huge logistical component on that it's not so much i think sometimes about the willingness of doing it or not is that there the logistics might be complicated in different scenarios because of course coffee consumption is very distributed which uh, makes it uh, a bit more complicated but uh, i do believe that in the future yes a lot uh, eventually probably ideally in the next 10 years 30 to 40 percent of the coffee being wasted right now will be repurposed into some added value applications not what is done right now for sure positive i like that okay great and so i guess moving from the environmental to the social aspect of coffee i mean you You've both spoken about the importance for, you know, uh, making sure that the standards of farmers in, you know, where coffee is being farmed is, you know, a really high level. And and Kane, I know that Kiss the Hippo pays 50% above the fair trade price, which is, again, brilliant initiative. I guess for our listeners, what are the ethical issues around farming coffee that we all need to be aware of? Juan, maybe we stay with you and then Kane, maybe you can chip in. I think it very much depends uh, in the country and the practices that the country has. I think uh, that, that of course, influence a lot. But I, what I do believe is that, I mean, I think there are some new companies around the world, let's say, that might try to antagonize coffee farming and the farmers itself and try to come up with an alternative solution that they say it's more uh, climate friendly, which might or might not be true. And I think that's a bit uh, sometimes uh, one-sided because, of course, you cannot solve a problem and then create another one. I think coffee mm. is a very important crop around the world and farmers can be part of the solution. As Kane mentioned, if farming is done the right way, it can be carbon positive rather than, uh, no, we're not talking about beef or pork. I mean, we're talking about plants at the end of the day that can sequester carbon. So I think if mm. this is done correctly and with the right incentive, they can become part of the solution. But again, trying to replace them or change them and remove them part of the, I think that's a bit egoistic. I don't know if that's the word that they know these coffee consuming countries have been consuming coffee from all these developed countries for a while and then they just want to change for something that is more shiny right now. I think there's a social component that needs to be taken into account. Again, I don't know the exact solution. Of course, a any good effort of making coffee more ethically and sustainable is welcome, but I think there are there are different considerations that should be taken into account beyond the environment. To share the yeah, yeah, I think probably traceability is a really key point. So it's it's fine saying that you pay more money, but you need to make sure where is that money going? Like, are you able to trace it all the way back to the farm gate? You know, or is that just going to an importer and then they're divvying the money out in some way that you don't know? So yeah, yeah. being able to trace the whole chain from start to finish, I think, is very very important. One of the yeah, things is that, that is that easy to do with coffee, though. It's getting easier. <laughs> it's not. It's been traditionally quite difficult, um, mm. but that's why it's important with your buying practices that you know where you're buying from. And part of that is you'll see some of the roasteries in the UK um, and across the world now are visiting farms either on a yearly or bi-yearly basis. So you know you can actually go to El Salvador, go and meet the farmers, do a little almost like an independent audit yourself. 
check how the workers work. Like, because coffee picking is a seasonal thing. It, people, they don't work on the farm all year round. Normally they move from country to country to pick. So you can check like the housing, whether they have hospitals or education for children and look at all of these things. If you're not doing that, then it's more based on looking at the importers you're working with and making sure they have a good trading history, basically. Because there are a lot of people out there with questionable practices, <laughs> I would say, in coffee mm. and have been throughout the, the centuries that we've been growing it. So, yeah, it's getting easier and it's easy if you're buying the right coffee from the right people. If you're buying some sort of commodity-grade coffee on the futures market, which is the C market, that's when it becomes a little bit murky and a little bit more difficult. Yeah, so there's different ways of buying coffee and some are traceable and some aren't. So it's down to us as roasteries to make sure we're buying from the traceable, sustainable farms and importers. Which I think is obviously brilliant and that obviously takes a lot of the, the difficulty of choosing the right coffee for consumers. But I'm just sort of thinking about the consumer aspect of this. Obviously, there is a consumer choice piece here, but maybe this is a, a sort of slightly punchy question. But do you think from your or from what you're seeing from your experience of your companies, do coffee drinkers really care about sustainability? Is this something they're making an active choice on? I think they do care. And I almost think if they don't care, it doesn't matter too much because as long as we are making sure that we're paying our farmers the correct price and we are doing the right things, it doesn't matter if the consumer cares that much because they're buying my coffee, they're buying our coffee and we are then supporting the farmers. So I think it is important people care and they should care, but like if they're not, as long as we are doing the right thing, we're still having a positive benefit on the whole chain. I think sometimes people just care about a logo, so whether it's the Solidation logo or Fair Trade logo. And that can be a bit problematic because sometimes certifications aren't the answer. There are some issues with certifications and it's quite a big debate within the specialty coffee industry. Kistipo, we are certified organic and we do work with certified farms, but that sometimes is a problem. And I think, yeah, occasionally consumers, they just see a logo and they're like, oh, I'll buy that. It makes me feel good. <laughs> but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing either. Like, again, organic solidation certified coffees can be great and they can be really good. So... Whether they care or not is, is, I don't know, it's hard to say, but as long as we're doing the right thing and, and many other companies are doing the right thing, I think we're okay. Okay. And, and Juan, do you agree? Do you think that actually if you fix the problem at source, the consumer choice issue kind of becomes a bit of a mute point? Absolutely. I do agree in that 100%. I think if it's more on our, on our shoulder. I mean, as as King mentioned, we're the ones buying the coffee. We're so like we're the ones doing that. You know, they they are just there to, let's say, consume and receive all those benefits that at the end of the day, many of the times they are expecting you already to do it. They might uh, drink it still if you are not doing it. But yeah, I think there's of course way more awareness than before. Also, I think this new third wave of coffee and all this new fermentation, and I mean, it's become more appreciate it, uh, let's say, the, the work that goes into a coffee and it's not just simply a shot of caffeine that you're going to take, you know, people actually enjoy stopping for a coffee and, you know, taking it slowly, have their own time. And I see a lot of people that, for example, have subscriptions so in the house, they have their nice coffees. So, I mean, I think for sure there's a lot of more consumer awareness in the sustainability issue. But yeah, again, I think... Uh, the, yeah, the consumer sees a very low part of that equation. I think we have more 
So it's them, them to raise their voice, but I think uh, the action or execution power is more on the actors in the coffee value chain. Yeah, and I think I think Wan's right. Like there is a base level of quality now that has risen significantly in the last decade, especially in the last five years. And and in specialty coffee, with the higher quality coffees, we have um, people who are called Q graders. These are people who taste coffee, and basically, the higher quality of the coffee, the more money we pay for that coffee. So, with the quality of coffee rising. A byproduct of that is higher prices being paid to farmers, and that is consumer driven. So people are enjoying the nicer flat whites or the fruitier filter coffees. So I think yeah, a little byproduct of the quality getting better is actually prices are getting better for producers, and we are definitely seeing. Again, I use Colombia as an example all the time, but in, in Colombia, that the quality of life for a lot of farmers has increased quite dramatically. So we are definitely seeing some positive movements for sure. Right, okay, so this is nice then, a bit more like a virtuous circle. I mean, obviously, there's a lot to unpick, but it seems that what you're saying to me is that if coffee's becoming more sustainable and if the workers' rights are actually improving, that effectively then translates to improved quality of coffee, which then means that consumers are really much more appreciating quality coffee and are prepared to pay maybe a premium price, and that then kind of restarts the circle. Yeah. Is, is that fair? Is that what you mean? That's how I see it, yeah. It's like a holistic approach, you know, to the whole chain. Yeah. Okay, but surely this means that there's quite a big burden on producers, though. And I guess if we're talking about going forwards in the future and how to accelerate this process and make coffee more sustainable, it can't just be on your shoulders. So where does the responsibility for change then lie? And I appreciate this is probably one of these things which everyone has to play their part, but other than yourselves, who else need to get involved here to make sure that coffee is then sustainable? So Juan, from your side, is this a policy thing or is this more something you have to do at a country level? Who else can support this process of change? I think that's a, it's a complicated question. You know, well, I mean, it should be very simple, but has so many layers. But I think it's, uh, yeah, again, a little bit of everyone in the value chain. I think, well, of course, if there are, could be certain incentives from government side to for more sustainable practices, purchases, uh, if you can put, of course, again, at the end of the day, everyone is running a, a business. So if you can put an additional business benefit into it, I guess that would incentivize businesses to be more sustainable or have better environmental practices. I mean, of course, all try, I mean, from our side, try to valorize always as possible. But I think, of course, coming back to the last question, that it's not so much about the consumers rather than the ones purchasing big volumes in the sea market. Those are the ones moving the price up and down and where the quality is not priority rather than the price. So if there could be certain minimum standards, or I don't know, I mean, some, this goes beyond this conversation, but of course, it's the companies buying the big volumes who are the ones who can make a bigger impact if they do things in the right way. For example, how smaller companies like uh, Kisda Hippo are doing, there might be the thing, but of course, you know, they're always just late. They arrive late to the party when everyone already has done their part. So, but I mean... And that's why we have great guys like you doing the hard work yeah. first, right? <laughs> I mean, if yeah, I mean it's uh, it is uh, it is what it is. At the end of the day, it's if we don't do it ourselves, then I mean I think we 
I think people like us in type of companies, we, we, we like to take action in our own words. And eventually if we can do that change ourselves, we will do it. But of course, uh, yeah, there can also be faster ways. Yeah, I think I think what Juan touched on there is like it's it's kind of is down to the bigger players, the mass commodity traders and and the the chains. But, but we are definitely starting to see the chains sort of cotton on to the specialty movement and and definitely take some of the things that we're doing and apply it to their own businesses. So you'll start to see like single origin tradable coffees in the big chains, whether it's Starbucks or Cafe Nero, you will see that now. And I think that's a really, really positive thing. But yeah, I think the responsibility, it does rely on probably governments. And then also we we need better technology for things like transport. Like how do we make ships less carbon emitting? We, we And that's obviously down to scientists <laughs> to, to improve. And probably on the farm level, it's more down to the agronomy experts in government or the people who are looking at incentivizing farmers to do things better. So whether there should be subsidies for planting more trees, subsidies for using less water, th these sort of things could definitely, definitely help. But yeah, for me, it's the, it's the transport one that I sort of feel a bit like helpless on. Like I don't know how we <laughs> fix that right now without the technology. All right. Maybe a topic for another day. Yeah. That sounds like it probably goes beyond just coffee. And like you said, Juan, this is a very, very complex area. But I really appreciate your thoughts. Um, and again, I can see the hard work that companies like yourselves are putting into Trailblaze this. So we at EIT Food really salute you and support you on that side. So really well done. I'm just thinking maybe a bit broader about any of the great examples of of either coffee companies that you really want to champion who are driving the space or indeed any other companies or great examples that you've seen which are related to the coffee industry that you're big fans of. Kane, you said you haven't seen any great examples of, for example, improving shipping, but are there any companies out there that you think, yeah, these folks, they're doing an amazing job to support this space, other than your good selves, of course. Other than our good sales. Um, probably one person I'd like to shout out at one company is Calendar Coffee in Ireland. They're a very, very small roastery, but they've just recently done a sustainability report and they have someone who actually works for them who just does sustainability. And they were looking at, similar to us, organic farming, organic certified farming and uh, soil health. Um, but one of the problems in coffee is we're kind of like telling these small, tiny smallholder farmers, hey, we want you to be certified organic. And with that, comes cost obviously and and problems so they've sort of like said to a couple of farmers recently we know that you're organic in your practices but you're not certified so we're gonna basically pay for you and help you through that three-year transition to become organic certified so yeah i think calendar coffee in ireland they're a really small player but they're doing some really amazing things so yeah definitely respect those guys um, quite a lot and juan from your side any other great examples that you're seeing yeah, I mean, we try, I think, as Kim uh, mentioned in Colombia, I think they're doing some great work. Again, coffee is very important for us. So I know farmers in Colombia, they they pay a lot of attention. I think the new generation of, let's say, farmers, they are going back to play more around with fermentation, with nature, biotechnology. I mean, they are going back, not basics, but, you know, using more nature in other advantage but so i think in general i think colombia they put a lot of effort on on being sustainable and on the quality of the coffee itself to keep that let's say leadership role that we have in the industry as a country and then here i think in the nordics in general i think also why we ended up uh, 
creating Cafe Bueno in Denmark was because they drink a lot of coffee, but also they are aware of the sustainability and are willing to pay a little bit more for that sustainability in terms of the coffee quality and everything. So yeah, I mean, uh, one of our investors that is uh, public, that is a corporate, they sell a lot of coffee, but they are British. I mean, they put a lot of effort in their sustainability from the roastery, from the sourcing. So I think they are, um, they are doing a pretty good job and we source a lot of our waste uh, or byproduct from them. And also another company here in, in Copenhagen, which we also are, have some collaboration going on, they promote the um, forest coffee. So coffee that is uh, like from, as Kane mentioned, like forest. So has a lot of shade grown coffee. So they have some plantations in Southeast Asia. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's this regenerative coffee try to promote that responsible consumption. I think that's uh, also a way that we try. We don't sell coffee, but we tell our customers or coffee waste producers that these companies sell good coffee. You can buy it to them and it will be a pleasure for us to take it from them. So. Fantastic. Yes, exactly one of the reasons I wanted to ask, because I'm sure there are loads of amazing organizations and entrepreneurs who are doing great things in this space. So we really need to celebrate and support them. So thank you both for that. And now looking forward, so it'd be really interesting to get your views on what your big bets for the future of the coffee industry are. So to use a coffee term, what's going to get a caffeine boost and what's going to end up on the compost heap, do you think? So where do you think the coffee industry is going? Juan, staying with you, what are your big bets for the future and what's going to change? Well, for sure, uh, we're going to change the perception that people see coffee from only being a beverage to being actually a bio-based resource. And I think that will be our role and that's uh, what we'll do. So uh, for sure, I see the future having a lot of coffee biorefineries around the world doing different bio products, uh, chemicals, ingredients, different, let's say, made from coffee. So I definitely think that coffee biorefineries will be a thing. In fact, I think from now, apart from ours, most probably other people will do it in their own way and versions and products, that's for sure. I also think in farming, there will be a, yeah, a lot of innovation. I think eventually automation, robots and things like that will eventually come into play at farm level. I think that might take coffee to the next level, allows, let's say, to keep some reasonable prices for people while maintaining or improving the living conditions of uh, farmers at the end of the day. But of course, I hope, uh, yeah, this is a wide industry effort and government that will come to that. So I think, yeah, automation and farming, automation and, in, and robots in farming will play a future and yeah, biorefineries will become a norm. Thank you very much, Juan. That's a really good forecast. And Kane, what's your view? Yeah, I think there'll be a, a big push towards things like shade-grown coffee and, and farms looking at how much carbon they suppress versus how much they produce. So I think there's going to be a, a, a big focus on that. And I think as a standard, the, the bare minimum will be farms that are like carbon neutral. I think that's what we will see in, in the next few years. And then farms that are carbon positive and... and uh, yeah, I think the sort of regenerative agriculture aspect and, and that, that thing that we're looking at now is going to only become more and more prevalent, sort of going back to that style of farming, using less pesticides, using less fer uh, chemical fertilizers, using organic methods, not necessarily certifications, but I think this will 
become yeah more and more prevalent. We still need like a lot of research on farming methods. So whether it's from coffee varieties. So for instance, in, in Arabica, there's only like 100 varieties that have been researched. And in strawberries, there's 600. So there's like a lot of uh, research needs to be done on this, a lot of research needs to be done on soil health and yields and how we can improve yields through natural ways. So yeah, really just like digging down into literally <laughs> the soil and, and, and how we how we increase yields and, and uh, yeah, more sustainable livelihoods for the farmers. Um, yeah. Thanks, Kane. And yeah, we were talking about this before, just before we started recording. It seems to have been a bit of a constant theme as we've gone through our discussion. We know we keep coming back to talking about more regenerative methods, bigger focus on soil health, biodiversity. And yeah, it feels like we probably need a follow-up episode, guys, just on regenerative and regenerative coffee. Uh, I'd love that. So maybe <laughs> next time. So we're coming to the close of the show. Thank you both for your inputs. We've covered an awful lot of ground. But now that we've unpacked all of this, I wanted to get your honest view. Do you think that the coffee industry will ever be truly sustainable? So from what you're seeing now and your experiences so far and where we're projected to go, do you think we're going to make it as an industry? Juan, what's your view? Absolutely. I think um, 100%. I think one, again, as I mentioned, I think coffee will be part of the solution. We just need to do it in the proper way and make it part of the solution. That should be the focus in the next couple of years, how we change or adapt to these different problems in the industry and make it part of the solution. I think that coffee compared to all other crops on earth, I don't know why it has this special aura that people just love it. There's a sentimental attachment to it. Even like, I get emotional now saying this ah, somehow. I can see it, yeah. Because yeah, it's uh, there's there's a uh, it's important to people beyond that, and it's you cannot explain it for people in Denmark, in UK, <laughs> in Colombia. I mean, there's something that connects all these people around the world. So I think that power beyond description in words is what, of course, will push people and consumers and actors in the value chain to make it part of the solution. So absolutely, I think coffee will be part of the solution and will keep being one of the most loved plants and beverages around the world. Wow, loving this passion. Really like that. And I have to admit, I've I never really made that connection between the fact that everybody loves coffee and when you then put this ore around coffee together, it actually is something that really connects and binds us all. So maybe coffee can be a big part of the solution and that would be amazing. And Kane, what's your view? Do you agree with Juan? Yeah, completely agree. I think 100% um, it can be a net positive for the climate, for the environment. And the route to that is actually quite clear, I feel, with these farms, with, you know, planting lots of trees and, and actually being good for the environment. As I said, it's that transport bit for me is the little tricky bit. And with technology, I think we can we can solve that, you know, with with renewable fuel sources. But yeah, 100% see the path to it being a sustainable industry and actually a net positive on the environment. Yeah, no doubt in my mind about that at all. Fantastic. I love finishing these episodes on a real positive. <laughs> so thank you both for that. And to wrap up, where can listeners go to find out more information about what you do and who you are? Yeah, um, our website, kissdippo.com. Obviously, there you can buy products, but there's obviously a lot of information about what we do as, as, a, as a company. Um, we have a blog. That's good. And then, yeah, we have our cafes in Fitzrovia, Shoreditch and Richmond. So come on down. Yeah. 
probably kissfo.com is probably the best the best resource all right thank you very much and i'm definitely going to visit one of your roasteries as well <laughs> yes. juan what about you yeah likewise uh, cafueno.com and we are in all social media we're also pretty active i think we're very vocal as well we're not afraid to say what we think and what we believe so just feel free to follow us there we're more a b2b company but we we also publish a lot of the companies that are using our ingredients in the product so here you can also find ways on supporting us and supporting all the different things uh, that we do fantastic thank you both so yes, that just leads me to say a huge thank you to Juan and Kane, and thank you everybody for listening. This has been the Food Fight Podcast. As ever, if you'd like to find out more, head over to the EIT Food website, www.eitfood.eu, and please join the conversation via the hashtag EITFoodFight on our Twitter channel, at EITFood. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you all next time. <laughs>